Welcome to Two Chicks, Three Seats, the podcast that takes a look at the hospitality industry's hottest topics. Two Chicks, Three Seats is hosted by Kate Kennedy and Rachel Calkins and is brought to you by Triple Seat, the industry leader in event management software. Find out more about Triple Seat at TripleSeat.com. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Chicks, Three Seats. Today, we are joined by a very special guest who comes from an extensive events background. Please welcome Alicia Shiro, the founder and CEO of ACED Events. Alicia is the industry expert in event production, planning, and management. She specializes in one-of-a-kind corporate experiences, conferences, galas, and retreats. Her client roster includes A-list celebrities, rock stars, top athletes, celebrity chefs, and Fortune 500 companies across the globe. So we're really honored to have Alicia with us today on the podcast so she can share her wisdom with all of our listeners. So welcome, Alicia. Thanks, Rachel. Nice to see you. And Kate, happy to be here. Super excited to do something like live, which is semi-live and semi-live. seeing people. <laughs> semi-live. Until we're in New York City, we'll we'll stick with this for now. Yeah. But we're happy to have you today. So to start off, Alicia, could you tell us a little bit more about how exactly you got into the events industry and then what brought you to creating a sit events? Sure. Um, So interestingly enough, I actually started doing trade shows for a technology company. Uh, We built a mobile gaming platform and we sold that to casinos. Uh, So traveled to Vegas, got to go to China. So that was kind of cool. Macau is a huge gaming community, like 10 times the size of Las Vegas. It's actually quite interesting. Um, So so that's how I started. And um, I was there for probably six years or so and just really wanted to try something else other than trade shows. So I went over to a uh, advertising company and I started there as a project manager. Um, and, you know, in true advertising fashion, they had a bar in the office and it was a licensed 5,000 square foot space um, that had a bar. So we, um, yeah, it was um, (laughs) definitely interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And um, so I started to kind of manage that during the day. It was a cafe. Um, So I would manage the cafe during the day. And then in the evenings, we would open it up to employees. And occasionally we would have uh, our client events there. And our clients were global brands. Um, so I ended up taking that event space and then selling it to our clients, um, oh. cause they would be looking to rent event space to host their events. So, um, we turned it into kind of like a revenue generating, um, machine. And, uh, it was great because we took that money and, funneled it back into the company so that our employees could now have events and, you know, they would be subsidized. So we were able to do these really great holiday parties. um, And we did like the office Olympics. Um, You know, it's amazing, you know, as time goes on, when you look back and the, and you appreciate things 
so much more. Like at the time we were all like, this is so fun. Now we look back and I'm still getting emails from fellow uh, coworkers saying that that was the best time they ever had. The culture was amazing. The events, like the camaraderie, um, they've never experienced anything like that till this day now, you know? So it's really interesting to look back on things and kind of appreciate where we went and where we are. <laughs> so, um, so after six years of that, I, I was recruited by a startup event company. So this was um, an event company that was trying to build an online marketplace for events. So basically oh, you could go to the website and point and click and build your event. Loved the concept. It was great. Uh, loved the idea. It was super innovative. Um, so I went there and I launched the New York office. So I started um, the New York office. We grew to 20 cities um, in less than a year. So we really ramped up fast and uh, I became a partner. And then I'd say about two years later, things kind of, you know, changed and I left. So that's how Aced Events was born. <laughs> that and is quite an extensive background of so many different parts of the event industry and, you know, how it started. I think it's such a different story than a lot of event managers and how they started in the industry. So that's really interesting. And that startup sounds very cool. It's a great idea. It was. Um, it, it was a little bit more difficult, I think, in the end <clears throat> to really execute you know, what they were trying to do, um, based on the technology that we needed, uh, in order to build out what the customization really needed to be. Um, Mm. but the idea was definitely creative and I was, that is the most personally challenged I have ever been. I initially started there, like on the venue side, like getting venues to sign up so that we could partner with them. And then um, I quickly was moved over to the sales side, something I never thought I'd be doing. And our sales goals were insurmountable. So I totally understand now people who do sales for a living. God bless you. because I do (laughs) not know how they do it. The, The stress of meeting that monthly goal and then you meet it. And at the end of the month, it starts all over again. Oh yeah. And it's even higher. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that was unlike any other challenge ever. But the cool thing about it was me and this other girl were always neck and neck for first place. And she was on the West coast and I was on the East coast. So friendly competition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was always so interesting because it was always me and her and we were beating out the sales guys, which was mm-hmm. always kind of fun. So it was nice to be personally challenged in a way that I've never been before, which actually gave me the confidence to start my own business. Yeah, I could see that. I feel like sales is one of those things where, I mean, you you become a completely different person when you do it. I think you grow a lot. It's not something I enjoy either, but I do think it helps you grow in your career and as a person, really. There's so much, there's a lot to it. I couldn't do it either as a a career. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beast for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. Clearly Um, clearly you've been making it being spoken about in Forbes. We were reading all about the press press page. (laughs) I know. Ironically, I am doing sales. There's just not like you're, you know, it's very good for everyone at some point to take a sales course and a public speaking course. Cause those are two things that you can never regret you know, 
getting experience in, in my opinion. I agree. I agree with that. At some point in your career, you will have to do those things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you don't want it to be the first time in a job doing it. (laughs) That was my first time just thrown right into the fire. So sink or swim, so to speak, but just really find out what you're made of. Um, So it's an interesting journey for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we know a little bit about, about your background and how you started, Let's get into ACED Events, your business now that since 2015, is that right? Did I, yeah. did I, that? I did a little digging. <laughs> it is. Wow. Seven years. That's definitely impressive. And clearly you put together some pretty extravagant events in your career. Can you explain like the creative process that you and your team, do you have a team? First of all, do you have a team or is it just you? Um, And the creative process that you go through to come out with the the final results as impressive as they are. We definitely looked at some videos on your website. We definitely did a little research ourselves and they're all very impressive. So um, just wondering the creative process behind it all. Well, thank you. Um, I would love to say there's a creative process. I don't know what that is, but no, I'm just joking. I think for us, the creative process is really just listening to the client, right? So I ask a lot of questions specifically around, yes, what the goal is. Obviously, there's a goal that they're trying to achieve, but also more importantly, what have they done before? What didn't they like about it? Is there something like, what are your three must haves? Those are my, that's my number one question. What are your three must haves? Like we must have great entertainment or we must have a celebrity or we must have whatever those top three are, right? Because that's where you want to spend the most dollars. Um, Cause sometimes they don't have the budget, you know, champagne wishes on a beer budget. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it's really part of the creative process is managing expectations. So I would say straight up, you know, just doing this as long as I have, I kind of know where things are going to net out price-wise. So if someone says, you know, they have 25 grand, but they want to do a private yacht and they want to have a celebrity and they want to have a band. And I'm like, that's great. But (laughs) so um, just kind of laying it out from the very beginning And then just kind of working it backwards, right? Like what are the most important things? Um, So I think that's really the creative process because then we start from there. Like, let's just focus on three really great things and get those done right and then bring in the accents, you know? So that's where you can get a little bit more creative. Like I've done amazing things with no money. When I worked at the advertising company, the budgets were nothing. (laughs) So like if we wanted to do something internal, it was, I don't know, find the money. So I happened to have a great boss at the time who was very helpful with that. Um, But also we were renting the space. So I was able to use that money and really that helped us do kind of the things we wanted to do. But, you know, you have to get super creative when there's no money. Anyone can plan an event with an astronomical budget. Like I love when, you know, you have these you know, these situations where it's like, there is no budget, just do whatever you want. Well, how could you not make it great? I mean, Mm -hmm. try doing it with no money and then come talk to me. Like if you could do a great event with a, a, like not a very large budget, then that's when you have to get very creative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I feel like it's, I have a little bit of wedding, you know, background with managing events. And, and I always felt like the most impressive ones were the ones where they were like, I have a $20,000 budget. 
and I want, you know, and, and then it came out amazing and it was beautiful. And, and then it's kind of more impressive, impressive than the ones whose, you know, fathers are like, you can spend whatever you want. And then you're like, not so impressive mm-hmm. because <laughs> they could spend whatever they wanted, <laughs> but yep, yeah, there are point. levels. Yeah. There are levels for sure. <laughs> Have you found that because of, you know, you hear it on the news all the time recently. It's all, you know, and, and we've even heard it planning events for um, triple seat for like company internal events um, or trade shows, stuff like that, that because of the supply chain issues and all of that stuff that like pricing is crazy right now. And so like maybe a hundred, two hundred, $500,000 budget isn't going to get what it got before when it comes to events. Is that something you're seeing? Yeah. So I would say <clears throat> yes and no. And here's why I say that because I also feel like there's a lot of people making a lot of excuses. Um, I can't get that done on time. There's a supply chain issue. We don't have the inventory. We don't have this blah, 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 COVID. The package didn't get there because of COVID, you know, all of that. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel like at this point, there is some of that. Yes, inflation right now is insane. I think it's gone up 70%. I mean, that is a fact. So there is a lot of that to be factored in that the cost of things has increased. But I would say to anyone, do your research, right? Don't just believe what you're told. Do your research. Definitely comparative pricing. People are willing to make deals. Um, I just dealt with that with uh, talent specifically. So you know, the client has a budget, talent wants a price, client doesn't have that much. And it's like, well, are you willing to take a reduced fee and still do the event or do nothing and get nothing? Um, So, I mean, some of nothing is better than nothing of nothing. (laughs) You know, (laughs) a piece of the pie is better than no pie. (laughs) So um, I would say negotiate, you know, everything is negotiable. I feel like a lot of people just accept what they're told. Like, well, this typically takes 30 days. And I'm always like, no, why? Like, that's my first question. And, and I apply this to life in general. I remember when I was, um, you know, buying a place and they're like, well, it takes 30 days for this and 45 days for that. And I'm like, I might be dead by then. Like, um, let's speed this up a bit. Like, what do we have to do here? Like, how can I help you? That's my favorite. Like, how, what, what can I do? What can I do? Like, let me help you. You know, because I feel like if I do it myself, it gets done faster. faster. Because, it always does. Yeah. Because you have, you know, it it's your initiative because yeah. it benefits you. So you want to get it done to them. You're just another client, you know, mm-hmm. another customer, like whatever it is. Um, so I feel like in those situations, um, you know, I would say challenge, you know, challenge things. Don't just take what you're told as an answer, do your research and investigate comparative shopping. You know, if you get a price on something, take it to someone else and see if they can match it or even, you know, beat it. I feel like there's a lot of that going on right now. Right. Do you feel like now that every, I mean, obviously in the past two years, we've done hybrid, we've done virtual, we've done a little bit more getting back into live, but do you feel like having those three options now has solved any of those issues? So for example, you know, maybe someone wants this big talent in person, but then their budget actually could more for them that person virtually instead. And so that could be a solution to those problems. Have you been seeing anything like that happening? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I, I know people are consistently saying, can't wait till things get back to normal. That's never happening. <laughs> 
So, I mean, it's just not. The industry is forever changed. So, and that's my personal opinion, but I feel like that it is forever changed. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I feel like now we have more options. Like you just said, if you can't afford talent in person, well, another option plan B is virtual. Maybe you only have, you know, so many people in a venue and you live stream it to everybody else. You make it more exclusive. Everybody's name gets tossed into this, you know, virtual hat or so, so to speak. And you get to pick randomly who gets to attend in person or maybe, you know, it's a sales goal. Whoever hits the goal gets to attend in person. There's a lot of that kind of going on now to make it feel more exclusive. And it is another way to go because when you're live streaming something, the guest count is endless. So you're not committed to only one venue with a capacity. It no longer matters. Do you feel like clients are still are happy as just as happy with that solution? Uh, what, I don't know about the word happy. <laughs> um, I think it's more about a means to an end. And what I feel like is happening right now, everyone is definitely more budget conscious right now. So I feel like it's not about, you know, a happy solution. It's about a financial, you know, a financial solution to what's the best course of action to still get the same result. You know, the delivery is a little bit different now, but the idea is the goal is the same. So you're still going to achieve the same result. You're just delivering it slightly differently than before. When you said like, when you, you mentioned before that you think that the, and and I definitely agree with this, but you think that the industry is forever changed and this probably is our normal now, right? Mm -hmm. There's no like, can't wait till things get back to normal. This is, this is probably Mm -hmm. normal, but (laughs) at this point it should be. Is there anything else that you meant like by that, like behind, like, what do you think the state of the industry is and what, what do you think is going to be long-term forever, even in the industry um, now that COVID is, you know, I mean, controlled, I won't say over, it's definitely not over. It's controlled at this point, I guess. I mean, I I honestly (laughs) believe it's changed people because you know, we all felt like we had no control over anything. Right. So, and I think people are not going to forget that. And you can tell because this is what I was going to get into later, but I feel like it's a good segue to it. You know, we're hearing a lot of talk about the metaverse, uh, 3d immersive experiences. The metaverse is a very real thing. So I've been doing a lot of research on this. And one of the favorable aspects about the metaverse is that it's decentralized. And that is what people want. It is controlled by the users. So users have created their own world where they are in control. And I feel like that has forever changed. So that is the thing. People want to be in control of their own lives, of their own careers, of their own businesses, Um, And if we have to create a fake world to do that in, well, I guess someone's done that. (laughs) So they're in, welcome to the metaverse. And we're talking major brands, uh, you know, are buying land. There's virtual land and Atari, Samsung, Adidas, Gucci, they've Mm -hmm. all bought land and they're launching these you know, exclusive branded content, whether it's Nike dropping a new shoe, but you can only get it if you're in the metaverse. So it's all of these exclusive private clubs. 
Um, one of the chefs I work with, you know, this is really unique and creative. He's the first one to do it. He has a partner, Gary V, as I'm sure many of you know, Gary Vaynerchuk and Josh Capon. So Josh is the chef. He launched the first members only club that you buy on the blockchain. So they are building it. It'll be done next year. It's in New York. So the beautiful thing about this is you're you're taking both worlds and putting them together. So it's not just just this fake metaverse where everything is fake and blah, blah, blah. It's a very real thing because you are integrating real life into that. So whether you can purchase something or you own something, typically when you join a members club, you're just a member. You don't own anything. However, when you join the Fly Fish Club, which is the restaurant, you own a piece of it because you're purchasing it on the blockchain. So if you want to sell that, you can sell it. So it's an investment. So there's a lot to be said around this, you know, just a lot. <laughs> if I'm being honest, this is not where I thought this conversation was yeah, going. I'm, I'm very, I'm so intrigued right now, because to be honest with you, like, as, as you now know, because of earlier in this recording, I have a son, right? He's six years old. Um, sure. He knows all about it. He's obsessed with Roblox, right? Which is like the first metaverse I feel yeah. like. And and now I'm like, I'm so intrigued by this. Is, is it like, are we going to start? Is there going to be events? Are we doing events? Is this like an event industry thing now? I'm, They're already happening. I'm I mean, you have the major DJs already DJing live events in there. Uh, you know, Gucci's launched a show. I mean, yeah, it's happening. So I don't know. If it's because, again, I feel like people want the control and, you know, it's user generated. So it's up to the user what you want to do with your brand and how you want to do it, um, which is extremely interesting, I think, for a lot of people. And it's another way to invest in something and actually own it. Yeah. So, you know, I think the younger generation, six years old, they know more about it than we do. You know, it's because yep. they've been playing in these worlds for a long time. You know, it started as gaming yep. and now it's turning into something way bigger than I think a lot of people anticipated. Like five years ago, everybody thought it was a, a joke. You know, you were buying land in Roblox, in Sandbox, in all of these places for $20. Yeah. <laughs> now, good luck. You can't get anything for under 15 grand. And no, that's it's US ridiculous. It's, it's insanity. And my husband now is super into, you know, crypto because of like the whole like I feel like it started with my son playing Roblox. Now it's yeah. like morphed into this thing where like my husband's now like, you know, thinks he's like the man when it comes to crypto. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what is happening? But now yeah. <laughs> It's but the it inevitable, does. I think, road for a lot of brands, you know, depending yeah. on what industry you're in and who your clients mm-hmm. are, they will inevitably end up in there, whether they're going to create their own NFTs and sell them in there um, on the blockchain. But that is where you have to be a part of that world to purchase it. So mm-hmm. all of these things are all connected and it's a journey to figure it all out. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have a six-year-old or anyone, a, a tween, I'm sure they can walk you through it um, because they've been playing in these oh. worlds for longer than we've ever even talked about them. So, yeah. And I think, you know, that's the interesting thing about events. I feel like it's just another avenue, right? You're going to do live, you're going to do virtual, you're going to do 3D immersive experiences. That's just what's going to happen. 
So oh. how does ACID events work into this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was the question. We are, you know, we're looking into it. Um, hopefully we will be doing the 3D immersive experiences. That's wow. really cool. Mm-hmm. And what about- I'm like really into this. <laughs> yeah. What about, so I mean, our <laughs> listeners, our restaurants, hotels, event spaces, how can they be getting involved in this if this is the future? Yeah. I mean, I think they have to see what works for them, right? You know, again, you have to do your research. You know, there's no roadmap. It's kind of just what is going to work for your business. Like if you're already a restaurant, I mean, you know, like with chef Josh Capon did, you know, he sold his on the blockchain and created a members only club. I mean, I would have never thought about that. So there's a lot to be said, you know, for those types of ideas, people are interested in members only clubs. And this Mm -hmm. is again, a trend, a huge trend in New York alone. I'm sure you've heard zero bond. Mm -hmm. Um, Cipriani now has their own members only. Noya House has been around for a while. Soho House has been around for a while. But all of these member only clubs, you know, you can also do events there. So that's, again, an elite experience that you're offering a client that they typically wouldn't get on their own. Right. So for my business, that's what we do. Our goal is to give you that unique experience that you typically would not find anywhere that you can just go and buy a ticket Mm -hmm. to because then it's not as interesting. So we want to really be in these places um, to offer our clients something special. So if you're a venue or you're a restaurant, those are the things you want to be looking at. Like, what can I do to make this more special and unique that people want to be a part of? That's really interesting. So, I mean, if you are offering this kind of members only program. What are some of the perks that you've been seeing most restaurants or spaces that do offer when they're hosting events? What kind of things do they offer for the people that can host events there that make them extra great? Right. I, you know, I think for, um, what I've seen is more about the experience. So not everyone can go and maybe it's a private dinner. Um, and you're, you know, I know at the fly fish club, they're doing an omakasa bar, which is like super high end. Um, so it's more about the tasting meeting the chef. Um, and again, like this is why I'm saying COVID has changed things forever because the groups are smaller. Mm -hmm. So you know who you're dining with, you know, an omakasa exclusive VIP dinner is 10 people max. Mm -hmm. So you're getting that experience. You get to meet the chef. You know, you're not doing these things with 3000 people. I mean, maybe you are, but it's going to be a different experience. So it's all servicing your client. What does your client want? If my client wants something for 5000 people, sure. Happy to do it. I've done concerts. You know, one of my favorites was, you know, we did this with Foreigner. Uh, We did 20 cities, basically toured with them. And in every city, the client had a different uh, customer that they were entertaining. So we did that in 20 cities. It was live. It was incredible. We did over 10,000 people by the end of it. And they closed millions of dollars in business. So, you know, there's a place for it. Yeah. You know, and then for people who don't necessarily want to be in large groups, with I, which I think that's not going to go away. There's just yeah. some people that are not going to want to do it ever again. You know, so you do the small dinners, but you make it super exclusive, very VIP, very members only. Um, So I think it's just great that we have a lot more variety now. Do you 
see like when it comes to the metaverse stuff do you see it being like like a combo of like are these events like a combo of like in-person metaverse like virtual hybrid like how would it work yeah i think it can be wrap my head around. yeah yeah i mean i think it can be for sure um because you can always you know again up, up to what the client wants but like yeah. let's say for example typically my clients want to do a 15 to 20 minute presentation first so if they want they can still do that live somewhere maybe for a smaller group you know via zoom or we live stream it however they want to do it and then then we're going to do the immersive experience in the metaverse but everyone can join yeah. so you log in everyone joins and then you can do the experience there and then maybe after that the people who are together maybe they want to go for the omakasa dinner maybe the people in the virtual world you can actually do that you can talk to one another you can the little avatars you know you can talk to one another you can congregate you can go to a concert together so maybe after you then go to a concert i mean it's like you know there's really no limits yeah that's this that's is so, possibilities are endless when it comes to I know, it but really that's cool. a, you know and again i think that's the beauty of it right the more things you have to sell to your clients the better. I agree. Yeah. We did something so like so super, I feel like this is like a poor example, but we did something like this, the tw- our 20, was it our 2020 holiday party, Rachel, or 2021? Mm-hmm. What, 2020, 2020, 2020, yeah, 2020. God, my years are just like mixing I together. At I this think point. we all try to forget that year. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we don't even happen. like to say it. <laughs> well, like, no, we haven't had our, yeah. We haven't had our 2021 holiday party yet. That's why. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we did, like an online, like a, like a metaverse, like you, like you log in and you have your own little like avatar. And we did like a wine tasting, um, with a video and then you could walk around and like sit at tables and only talk to those people and, you know, move around and stuff. It, it, I don't think, I feel like the software itself could have definitely been better. Like it, I think that's where it was lacking. I'm not going to call anyone out obviously, but (laughs) But so, it so was got it. So that's like, it. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It was really, it was really cool. I think we spent a lot of time in there, Rachel, right? Like we it was fun. Like a, yeah. Like you just <laughs> right. It was fun. Yeah. It's fun to explore. You know, you get to like walk around, see what's there, mm-hmm. what are other people doing? And just think the more companies that are buying land and developing stores. Right. You know, you could basically like go shopping, you know, you, you're going to be able to do exactly what you do in the real world in, in the metaverse world. Metaverse. So this is so, this is so wild. Was very interesting to say the least. Um, but yeah, so you guys, that was, that was it. So you, you've already experienced it. And I can just imagine fun. though, like That's if it. we had, it was, I just think if, if we had done it with ACE at events, it probably would have been a lot more exciting. <laughs> There would have been more to do. We're hoping it gets, you know, more sophisticated (laughs) as time goes on, you know, and I think, you know, having Facebook change their company name to Meta uh, is bringing so much more awareness to everything now. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see what theirs is going to look like and what, you know, what they decide to do. Um, But again, I feel like that is them creating it. It's not created by the user. So I'm not quite sure how they're doing it. Are they allowing the user to create it or are they holding on to all the content and knowing all your, you know, exactly. I mean, knowing what they Facebook, do with Facebook. It's, it's probably the latter. Yeah. 
I would imagine so when it comes to the idea life. of this for me, the beauty of it is, is it's decentralized. That's the whole point of this, in my opinion, is that you're the one in control. You design, yeah. you design what you want um, as the creator. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. I think it's a great idea. I'm very into it. Um, now I just have to lock up all of my, the parental, um, locks on my son's iPad are now gonna, now that I know Gucci has them. Right. Yep. All of a sudden you, you see a handbag show up at your house. Wait a minute. I order those sneakers. At least you'll be one of the only ones that owns it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. He is into sneakers. It'd probably be some like Gucci and Nike. He's probably already ordered those new Nikes. Yeah. He probably did. Uh, wow. Like mother, like son. That's fine. <laughs> wow. Um, so obviously that's been the big thing that you've been working on. Would you say in like the near future, this is this metaverse and getting involved is that's like your number one priority at ACID events, or are we still looking at like live events a little bit on a scale, virtual hybrid, what's kind of like yeah. the near term for you as well? I mean, I'm hoping live <clears throat> comes back big and strong, like very soon. Um, the first quarter, again, we were pretty much all virtual. I think a lot of companies, you know, because of the new sh- variant and all of that, everybody was kind of leery to book anything because then you got to change it again. So I'm hoping Q2, which we're embarking upon now, is going to have more live. But again, I think there's going to be a lot of variation. And I think we're going to have a lot to offer people. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. I think a lot of, we actually were supposed to have our hol- our company, like internal holiday party um, in what, in January, Rachel? Was yeah, it supposed to be in January. January. And of course we didn't because everyone, I think 80% of the company had COVID. Wow, <laughs> we have people yeah. all over the country and it was like, yeah. and not from being together, just from, just no. Yeah. You couldn't go out it. your door without getting it. At that Seriously. Point. I feel yeah. like people, it was, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It was so, um, yeah. So we're doing it in March, which, you know, I feel like, you know, and, and I feel like a lot of places are waiting till Q2 and, and beyond like spring, summer. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of yeah. great things to come. I hope that we're going to start doing events again, triple seat for our customers. So, um, starting yeah. in Q2. So definitely, definitely a lot to come. Yeah, I think I'm Hope, excited for right? it. I mean, now I'm like thinking how, how can Triple C get involved in the metaverse? I guess this is the I know. This is, I know. Yeah, we'll have to talk about it. I think we will. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did like how you had said before having like the combination of, you know, you have some people together so that you can still have like a dinner in person because obviously on the metaverse, you're not physically eating food when you're just, even though you're connecting with people. So there still is that like F and B part of the experience. So I, I'm, I kind of like that whole combination of having both options as part of the experience. Yeah. And I do think even if there is an element of getting together in the metaverse, you can ship out kits. We're still Mm -hmm. doing a lot of kits, a lot of shipping the kits ahead of time, which honestly is so annoying. I was going to say, is that a huge pain? <laughs> I know it is. It's just, uh, it's been the worst part of all of this. Um, the worst and the best. Isn't that funny how that turns yeah. out? It's just very complicated because you had so many vendors trying to do it that should not have been doing it. And because, you know, everybody wanted to make money. Everybody yeah. was just trying to survive and I get it. 
Um, but at what price, right. you know? So there was a lot of lessons learned uh, very early on about shipping food and what not to ship mm-hmm. and all of that. So I could, yeah, you have to be very good. cautious with the kits. But again, they do make you feel like you're more part of the experience. So right. in that sense, they're great. So it's, you know, that whole love-hate relationship. Yeah, I could see people like, I'm sure a lot of people rushed, right? To like throw them together. Like, oh, I heard this person was doing kits. Let's do kits. And then they're just like, let's just throw yeah. it together without really thinking about it. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I guess I understand too, panic and wanting to make money and, and stay, you know, relevant <laughs> during such a weird yeah. time. Mm-hmm. I um, think I did like, we covered this a little bit at the beginning, but just if you had any tangible tips to give to other event planners listening right now, just about, you know, from your experiences, from the current state of the industry, how they should be thinking things that they should be trying Get out of this industry. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You're crazy. (laughs) Actually, I'll keep that in. It'll be humorous. (laughs) You're all crazy. Don't do it. Oh my God. That's funny. I mean, look, you know, the event and hospitality industry is full of survivors, right? You have to be type A to survive in this industry. And I think my biggest tip is do your homework, research everything, and then, you know, ask someone who's already done it. So if you're trying to do something that you've never done before, whether that's starting a business or maybe you're trying to expand or maybe you're looking to get into a different vertical within this industry, you know, just reach out to people. Um, Look for someone who's doing what you want to do and ask them if they have, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes to meet, keep it short at first, build a little relationship, and then hopefully, you know, there's some camaraderie, you know, you can help them, they can help you and you get to pick each other's brain. It's all about the networking. So that is what I suggest uh, as one of the biggest tips instead of going in blind to something, you know, the less risk, you know, you'd want to take calculated risks. Definitely. It's a good piece of advice. Yeah. It's a good piece of advice for no matter what industry you're in, I think. Yeah. Smart. Definitely smart. And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people are afraid of networking, I feel like, which, um, you know, I think is silly because I love, we were just talking yeah. about networking, weren't we, Rachel? Like, yeah, I feel we like, our, yeah. <laughs> I think in the past, everyone just felt like they were being bothered. And now yeah. because no one's seen each other for two years, I feel like it's a compliment. Like I'm, I want to spend time with you. Right. I'm asking you for your knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. whereas before, like everyone was so busy. Now you appreciate it. You're like, yeah, oh, I never want to be locked up again. So, so you know, so and- you're just kind of like, let me build some relationships. <laughs> I'll, anyone. Yeah. I'll talk to anyone. anyone. <laughs> exactly. Let me start networking again. Well, and that's honestly like a good tip too, because a lot of venues have changed. Like everyone that I had relationships with in certain venues have moved on. Like everybody's kind of shuffled around or they completely left the industry. So, you know, for me, I'm kind of like, who is at what venue actually? And I try to stay on their mailing list and I reach out to kind of find out who's now running things, you know? So I think there's something to be said about old school, email your mailing list and let them know like, Hey, we're open. Um, we're offering this. If you're a venue, 
you know, we have, the, you know, we have these private rooms, this capacity, email this person. Um, I think that's super important because a lot of times you go to the website and there's just like this generic email address and then it goes into like the abyss and you never yeah. hear from anyone. No, so I think it's important to have like an actual person and if they have a mailing list to like, you know, for them to circulate it and reach out to anyone that's booked with them in the past and just like say, Hey, we're here. Um, I've gotten a few recently, so it seems like things are starting to pick up again, but it's good to know because I've, again, you know, a lot of people have moved around. So a lot of the contacts that I had, um, are not actually at those locations. And we found, um, with some triple C customers that, you know, we found that there's now like a general manager, right. Who, who wasn't doing that before. Who's now answering like six different email addresses. So they're all getting forwarded to this one person's email inbox and they're missing all this stuff. So that's, I think that's really great advice. And you know, if if you're a triple C customer out there, you can use it as a CRM (laughs) and run those and run those contact reports and reach out to everybody and give them the information that is valid now, because it's so true. And it's super important. So if, if triple C can help them do that, I highly recommend, like I use triple C for everything. So, I mean, if, if there's a way that that helps them managing this, cause I'll tell you right now, if I email a venue and I don't hear back in like 12 hours, I'm on to the next venue. Like I literally cannot wait. If I don't get back to a client the next day with pricing, forget it. So that means I have to have it that day. Like I need to talk to someone the day that I email you. If I don't hear from you that day or maybe even the next day, I've already moved on. There's, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a response back from a venue like three days later. And I'm like, uh, sorry, I already booked with someone else. Right. <laughs> I'm like, right. Cause I just can't wait. You know, yeah, it's that's, like, it's a, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the day and age with this kind of technology that we offer today, not just from triple C, but from other, other softwares and other, you know, it's, it's so easy to respond immediately, no matter what that it shouldn't. Yeah. That shouldn't be an issue. I think even back in the day when I was an event manager and had no software and had binders and papers and like all these things. I mean, if I didn't respond within six hours, something was wrong (laughs) or I was sleeping, I guess, but (laughs) I think the struggle right now, and maybe you guys have the answer for this, but I know it was difficult for restaurants and venues to have workers. Um, there was, you know, they were having hiring issues. So I think that's why the GMs are taking everything on because they can't get anyone to work. So I think that really needs to change. So hopefully you know, that that's also getting better. I don't know the answer to that one though. Maybe you no, guys, I know been, it's tough. Yeah. That's like, a tough one. It's like a domino effect. Like which problems is solved first chicken, the egg, you know, yeah. everything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's true. So, yeah. And Lord that. knows those, those salesmen, those GMs, they don't know, I love them, but they don't know a goddamn thing about they don't know managing that. an event. <laughs> so yeah. we can all agree there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It is not for the faint of heart. No, definitely not. <laughs> you have that thick skin to be in this industry. So true. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I mean, I think this may have been one of my favorite episodes we've ever yeah, recorded. This was, this was great. This was awesome. I'm glad. Yay. And Metaverse, yeah. here we come. I was going like, to say, watch out, right Metaverse. <laughs> the girls are coming to town. I'm coming. Our next podcast <laughs> episode will be recorded from the, we'll Metaverse. Be in the Metaverse. Yeah. 
Live from East Events Venue. Triple C needs a metaverse so we can do things like, like we can have party people events in the metaverse. We could do um, podcasts. Yeah. I mean, it's happening. I don't know how we're doing it, but we're doing it. (laughs) I'll send you an invite and we'll do like, you know, a Thursday night happy hour. I love it. Hey, I'll yeah, be there. I'm ready to meet you yeah. in the, the metaverse, Alicia. <laughs> I'll do it. I can do a cocktail, you know, like thing. I have like all my bartending stuff. I'll we'll do ship it. We'll ship it to you, Alicia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'm down. Uh, down right. for it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you joining us. And I know our listeners are also going to enjoy this conversation. So thank you. Thank you guys. It was great to see you and hopefully uh, we'll see you in person as well. Yes. Eventually soon. I hope we'll be back um, in New York. Yeah. <laughs> Give me Until that, we were in New York. We'll be in New York. Um, we were in New York like once a month and you know, now know. of course. It's, well, it's hopefully you'll be back. I yes, know. we soon. will. We will be there. We have plenty of places to meet up. We can meet in yes. New York. We can meet in Boston. We can meet on Zoom. We can meet in the metaverse. We got a lot of places. To meet up. <laughs> we got a lot of places to hang out. <laughs> we'll be seeing each other again soon. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Two Chicks, Three Seats, your events industry podcast brought to you by Triple Seat, the industry leader for event management software. Find out more about Triple Seat at TripleSeat.com.